Normally, being a little extra can be a bit much. But when it comes to healthcare, it pays to be extra. And United Healthcare makes it easy with Health Protector Guard fixed indemnity insurance plans. Underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, they supplement your primary plan, helping you manage out-of-pocket costs without the usual requirements and restrictions like deductibles and enrollment periods. So when it comes to covering your medical bills, you can feel good about being a little extra. Visit uh1.com to find the Health Protector Guard plan for you. Hello and welcome along to the VMTV Rugby Pod. Great to be back in studio as ever with Alan Quillen and Matt Williams from afar. Lads, what an exciting time. Six Nations starts, one of the best championships in the world. Alan, your overall thoughts on it? Um, yeah, a little bit of an anti-climax. I think it's, um, we all have to ignite the emotion a little bit and, and, and get up for it. But look, it's a great tournament. Historically, haven't played in it. Um, I was always excited, looking forward to Six Nations, being involved with Ireland. Um, didn't always play, but um, it's a wonderful historic tournament. Um, coming on the, off the back of the World Cup, given what happened with Ireland, the disappointment there, it's a little bit of a different feel. Um, but once it gets up and running and nothing will kind of focus the mind better than an away trip to France, uh, the opening opening fixture on a Friday night in Marseille. So it's a little bit different where it's on. Traditionally, that game would have been on usually on a Saturday in, in Stade de France. Um, Friday night in, in, in Marseille is going to be different, but France are in a similar position, aren't they? They would have been usually disappointed with what happened them at the World Cup as well. So both teams, a um, couple of players missing, you know, iconic players, Dupont, um, Johnny Sexton for for um, for for for. Um, Maybe that's Johnny Ringing there. That oh. could be Johnny yeah. Ringing, yeah. Um, <laughs> my God, right? We can clip this bit out anyway. But um, you know, a couple of iconic players missing for both sides. There's no um, there's no Dupont for France. Um, no Intimac through injury. Dupont is going playing sevens with for the Olympics. Um, Johnny Sexton missing for Ireland. So there's a. Couple of big names missing for both sides, but look, it's still there'll be huge motivation to try and start well. And I think, uh, and I don't think I'm crazy for thinking that whoever wins this opening game is potentially winning the championship. Pro- most probably, the two best teams play on Friday night. Um, from an Irish point of view, we're hoping that all the quality that we saw in 2022 and in 2023. Um, will shine again. There's still a lot of quality in this Irish side, a lot of really top-class players. So hopefully they can shake off that disappointment and get a performance. I think it's going to be difficult to get a win. Um, they're capable of it, no doubt. But uh, get a good performance, start well, and you know do do well in the Six Nations. We we're not seeing a lot of change in the selections and stuff like that. I think that'll happen. Um, there's no point in getting into Rugby World Cup cycles uh, three, three, four months after the last one. I think it'll gradually happen. There'll be a tour to South Africa, November internationals and so on. And, and it'll it'll take its course. But there's a very good Irish side there at the moment, and um, albeit without Johnny Sexton. Matt, two teams that lost in the quarterfinal of a World Cup a couple of months ago. Adds a wee bit extra to this, doesn't it? It, it, it does, too. I think, you know, back up Alan's words, like I'm talking here from France, and it's the disappointment that, that Ireland of Furling has also felt here in France. They really felt they were going to win this World Cup prior to the Olympics in Paris in the summer. So it's sort of crept up on us, this Six Nations. Uh, the, the top 14, the French club competition, has sort of got back into the swing of things, and people haven't been talking about it as much. But I, I think the fact that it's going to be in... The velodrome in Marseille, which, as Alan says, is an iconic stadium, it's, it's also so unusual. Um, it, it, you're so close to the players when you sit in the stand. And I, I do think it's the loudest stadium I've ever been in. Um, at the Heineken Cup uh, uh, final between La Rochelle and Leinster there a few years ago, I know Alan was calling that game. I was on the sideline. Like It, it was deafening. You, uh, you couldn't hear, even with headphones on, what was being said to you. It was, it was really... A loud, loud stadium to go, which is intimidating for uh, for players. There's no two ways about it. And Alan's right; it, it's probably a little bit advantage France, but Ireland are capable of, of of winning this game. 
but I, I think we'll really get shocked into the championship by the by the sheer grandeur of the night under lights uh, in in Marseille near the heartlands. The heartland of France, and they got Toulon a few hours away, Perpignan, Toulouse, the Pyrenees, Lyon. This is really where the rugby people live, and they'll be coming to that stadium. You'll get real rugby people coming. The same won't be up in Paris where you've only got a couple of clubs and. A lot of people don't know the game as well. It's a real football area. This is rugby heartland down in, in Marseille. So I think it'll shock us. And Alan is right. It, on the opening night, Friday night, who wins? It's got a shot at the slam in the championship for sure. And I do think the winner will, will go on to win it. And on the negative, the loser, there's a lot riding on it because the loser's out, uh, even on Friday night of the first championship. It, it, especially when you look at the draws, uh, how these draws will go. England maybe have got a shot to upset France in that last round because England have got an easier, like a gradual run. They've got Italy first, then they go through the Celts, then Ireland at home, and then and then um, uh, the French. But really, you can't, right now where the champions is, you can't see anyone but Ireland and France winning this. And, and the winner, obviously, on Friday night will, will be determined by that outcome. Life without Johnny Saxon on Big words there, but that's the reality of it. Uh, Kieran uh, Frawley, Jack Crowley, probably in the first position, and then the two uh, Byrne brothers. Obviously, uh, Ross is out, but Harry's in the squad. Which way do you see it? Is it uh, Crowley's shirt at the moment? Yeah, I think so, of course. Uh, he's been the one. Um, of course, it's easier to go and say Jack Crowley. That's what I mean by, by um, you know, he's been number two to, to Johnny Sexton the World Cup and for a period of time last year he started in the November Internationals 2022 against Australia um, only has a couple of starts to his name but he's been in, in around the squad for a fair bit of time now and I think he's the closest thing you'll get to or potentially get to a Johnny Sexton you're, you're never going to have the same type of player and the exact same mentality and all that kind of stuff but I think Crowley uh, ticks a lot of boxes there physically very strong, he's quick, he can run with the ball, he's not afraid of contact, good kicking game. Um, so I think he has everything from a talent point of view. I think one thing that, that probably needs to get better, and, and it's not a surprise for a young, pretty young fly half, is um, you know the decision-making under pressure. And that's where Sexton was so good, and he got to a point of just having so much composure, calmness, and he seemed to make so many right decisions and execute brilliantly. So it's understandable that that takes time. When, a, you know, an out half is going to handle the ball, I'm not sure exactly how many times, but potentially could be 60, 70, 80 times a match. I don't know. Scrum half, probably more, obviously. Um, but for both halfbacks, when you're you're handling the ball that many times, you know, one one mistake or one error kind of is highlighted, isn't it? You know, and the basic stuff of catch, pass or kick well, unless it's a brilliant kick, doesn't get picked out and people don't highlight them after games and say this was outstanding. Um, so they have to do a lot of standard stuff and, and repeat, repeat, repeat. Um, but I think he's learning all the time. I think uh, the one thing I like about Jack Crowley, and he's pretty open about this, and he, he, he gave us some stuff during the week in the media about reflecting on his performance and his team's performance against Northampton in the last round of Europe. Um, he looks back at the game three or four times and he continuously tries to pick out stuff where he could be better, where the team could be better. And I think that's very mature for a young man and it's the right way to go. Um, you don't want overload and uh, focus on all the negatives. But I think he's driving himself and he, he stated that he's what he's... He's loves seeing Johnny Sexton and the way he operates and the way he goes to work and the way he leaves no stone and turn. And there's a perfect example here to follow. Um, if you want to get to the very top of your game, um, this is what you have to do. And and I think he's he's striving to do that. Um, Kieran Frawley's a very good player as well. And you know, I think there, not as many games out ten. No, yeah, and that's the, that's probably the, the the issue here. It would be brilliant to have a Karen Frawley. He's he's been a utility player, hasn't he, for Leinster? He can play fly half, centres, wing, full back, whatever, and a really good kicking game. Very talented player, um, but we probably need to see a little bit more of him. So it's good backup. Um, Harry Byrne really stepped up recently with Leinster as well. I've always said that about him. The more games you see him, the more mature, you know, kind of chest out scenario you have for him. 
obviously Rossborn is injured at the moment, but um, the door is open really, you know, and Jack Crowley isn't the one that's suddenly taken hold and, and I think the others will sense an opportunity to, to push him as well. But I'd be amazed if anybody else, you know, if there's any other um, scenario where Jack Crowley doesn't start on, on Friday night in Marseille. Um, there's been a lot of plaudits to Johnny Sexton. He's been amazing and I think he's been a real driver of standards. Um, and you talk about culture a lot and, and you know, sometimes people don't put understand the value of all that kind of stuff but really it's it's and I know from my own experience being part of a group of players who were very driven when you when you get to a scenario where this is the acceptable standard you come in you know your role you train unbelievably hard you look after yourself off the field you're continuously striving to understand the opposition and know your role inside out and and that's what culture is and this team um, they've got to continue to do that. You know, they're going to have a few bumpy p- patches along the way. And as I said, the psychology of the World Cup is going to be difficult for, for both France and Ireland. But Johnny Sexton has, um, you know, he's 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 left it in a good place and it'll take a little bit of time for anybody to get to his level. But I think Jack Crowley has the potential and it's just about getting composed and calm and getting support from Bundyaki and Gibson Park and Ringrose and all these players around him who have a lot of experience. Matt, Jack Crowley, your thoughts on him? I know you were, uh, we picked up on this a couple of times there, you were questioning and also made a few statements about his errors in the 15 minutes he got against South Africa in the World Cup. Do you think that's just part of his process in getting better as a player? Do you rate him and do you think he's the man to lead Ireland forward for the next, as Alan said, 10 to 15 years or 10 years? Yeah, Stu, I think uh, you said I was, at one point I was critical of him, and I, I wasn't critical. I was, I was pointing out he's a young guy. He's a young player. I think he's a really talented young guy. I totally endorse everything Alan just said, I, and I, I do believe he's the future. Um, I, and, and it is—it's two things. It's experience. So how do you get experience? You've got to play. But it's also learning that uh, you know a great. I, I was really fortunate. I had a, a great Australian out half, local John Ballast, as a coach when I was a boy. And he used to say it's like a game of cards. Sometimes the two of clubs, which is the lowest card in the deck, is the smartest card to play in a game of cards. You don't always have to try and play with your big cards. And what I meant with with, with Jack was he he took a, he forced a drop goal against South Africa. He didn't need to do that. He came on late against Scotland did a chip kick. He didn't need to do that. He if he can just catch and pass and make his tackles, and then kick judiciously. That'll be a great outcome for him because he's surrounded by great players. The the problem for Jack, if he was playing for England, it'd be different because England don't play an expansive game. They just kick. Remember, it was a game in the World Cup. They kicked away from 10, 94% of possession. Ireland play a really complex ball in hand game. It's great to watch. And it was run by Sexton. Now, Sexton's gone. We'll never replace him. Don't try. But what Ireland have to do is with Jack is just ease him into that role. Now, he's going to be helped by Jamison Gibson Park because he's, Jamison Gibson Parks gives the 10 more time than any nine in the world because his past is so fast. It gets to the 10, which buys him a couple of seconds or fractions of seconds to make those decisions. And all Jack has to do is underplay his hand and build up that library of experience as you move through. You learn – you're really not comfortable – at international rugby till around the 10 to 15 test match mark. So he's still very much learning his craft at the international level. And again, just so everyone knows, from from playing with Munster at, at the provincial level, where he's been very, very good, very, very good, it's a different game at international level. You have less time, you have more physical contact, you have, you have to make your decisions far more quickly. And you can do that and you adapt. But that's going to take time. And I, I think part of my message to the Irish rugby club is to just give the guy a bit of time. He's not going to be set, but don't expect it that way. But I, I think he's a really good player. Probably, I think he's going to be a great bench player right now. And Ireland have got this other generation now of tens coming through that will all, just like Jack, take a bit of time. Well, Jack is learning his craft. Another man in the second row learning his craft, but looks to be pretty good out there, is Joe McCarthy. Chat he may start, we're yet to see, you know, the team's announced tomorrow. But 
would you give him his crack or how do you look at it with the likes of Henderson and James Ryan and you know Tag Burn? where does he play you know there's big calls to make if you pick the form second row um, for this match Joe McCarthy is first on the list so you can look at this as a 22 year old and we're you know transitioning and he's coming through and you don't want to overexpose him but I think he's ready I think he deserves to start. Um, the only thing about Joe McCarthy starting is we've had issues around our line-out. So, um, Joe's, with respect, he wouldn't be a, a, you know, he's more of a big, bulky second row. He's still six foot six and very strong and powerful and very good in the line-out. Um, but does that kind of affect the decision around who plays in the second row because we've had issues in the lineup, not just the World Cup but previously and um not major issues but concerns I would say. Um so does Ryan call then on McCarthy starts well if 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 Joe McCarthy starts, I think James Ryan starts with him um uh, because of familiarity and there's a there's a lot of uh people suggesting that maybe Ireland should go for physicality and size and I wouldn't discount that. Um, I think you can play Tyburn at six, Doris at eight and Peter Manny at seven. That puts uh, Josh van der Fleer on the bench which is very, it sounds, Even the fact it's very harsh. That, yeah, like it is very harsh. On the bench, but, but it's it's kind of horses for courses and when you're playing the uh, big physical team like like France, they're going to have a lot of power. I think um, they're still missing a, f- a few um, you know, their second rows, Paul Gabriels and uh, Paul Willems, uh, look like they'll be the second rows. Two huge men. Uh, Tau Fifanua coming off the bench. Uh, Emmanuel Mafu from, from Toulouse. Um, I think he's 145 kilos. He's injured. Um, but, you know, Antonio in the, in the front row, uh, Cyril Boy. Um, they have a lot of power, a lot of a lot of weight. Aldrich. <laughs> yeah, and I think like to be fair, um, if you go back in the last couple of years, two years ago when we when we Ireland lost in Stade de France, the, it was the game Joey Carby started. Um, Dupont scores that early try from a quick line out, and we go behind. You know, I think at one stage it's twenty points to six or something. Ireland, the game is nearly away from them, and then they make it brilliant recovery, come right back in, bring it back to a score. But I look back at that game and I, I it stands out in my mind now, you know, there's four or five lineouts in that game, possibly more, that affected the outcome. And France were very much closing the gap in the lineout. And even ball that Ireland won, that they wanted them all, France were quite pushing the boundary of Ill- 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 illegality. <laughs> Uh, on a couple of occasions, it took me a while to get that word out, um, but it had a big effect in the game. That's my point. I can't go into every lineout now because the listeners can't see it. But we've struggled in lineouts, so and there was a physical a physical element to that game that you know, we ended up losing by six points in the end. And I thought some of the rugby Ireland played in the second half was phenomenal. The comeback, the attack, and we could have easily won that game. Um, not easily won that game, but we could have won that game. But there's a physical element, so there's an argument to maybe go down that road. But I think he's one player I just don't know why, you know, is there a need to hold him back and say we'll watch him against Italy next week and we'll give him a chance there. I just think he's been brilliant for Leinster and his impacts, power, physicality. You know, we've even seen him coming off the bench against New Zealand for you know in that second half and some of the carries there were explosive and some of the hits so I'd start him um, you know if he doesn't start it it may come down to that that sway of of maybe Henderson and Ryan playing together and trying to you know they'll be conscious of the line out and stuff like that so um, I'd start him for sure Matt one man we won't see in this competition unfortunately is Anton Dupont with the French sevens, mm-hmm. a man you can't replace, a bit like Johnny Sexton. But yeah. suppose the reins will now fall with Maxime Lucou or Le Garrick. Yeah. Is it Lucou, and how does that change the way France play? Yeah, it's a great question, Stu. Um, <clears throat> I remember the first time I saw Le Garrick play uh, for Racing, and he was two seasons ago, and I, 
I just this kid just came on. I went, how do they keep producing these incredible nines? He scored an unbelievable try. He was running the running the show and kicked all the conversions as well. Like they just keep pumping them off a production line. Uh, the Coup has been playing very well for uh, Bordeaux. I, 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 I really don't know who's going to start. I, I actually think the Coup will start because that's what they've done in the past and the Garrick come on. But, you know, Fabian Galtier, he's not scared to – we're talking about Joe McCarthy there. Galtier is not scared to give a young guy a shot. And I would not be surprised if, if they call that out. Lacuza is – no one's going to be like DuPont. DuPont, um, yeah, last Sunday night played for Toulouse against Racing in Paris and was doing things that were just impossible, like just impossible. His try is – the footwork in his try is truly mesmerising. He takes the ball off a mall, steps off his right, steps off his left, dummies both ways, steps again and scores a try almost untouched from five metres out. Just just breathtaking. So he's gone to the sevens. He's, he's not going to be there. There's still quality nines. Uh, there's no doubt about that. I, I actually think the question for France is, is going to be how Matthew Jalabert, which we're, again we're expecting to be announced at 10 goes, because he had a disastrous World Cup. He was really, really poor in that loss to South Africa. Shocking kicks for touch. He actually kicked a penalty for touch. A punt, drop punt backwards. It, it came off his boot and went backwards and obviously was trampled by Steph Detroit just prior to the match-defining try. So I think the packs will, will really cancel each other out. I, I'm, I'm agreeing with Quinny. Uh, I think the other part with, with Joe McCarthy is put him in a tight head prop second row behind Tug Furlong. Makes the scrum very powerful. Because as, he, as we said, we've got Antonio coming back. I think four of the best hookers in the world will be on show. Both the Irish and both the French hookers are sensational players. So I think that, that hard uh, uh, matching on both sides uh, will could very well determine the outcome. You look at the centres, two sets of great centres, two sets of great wingers. Ireland probably got a question to, to ask on one wing. But those that half pairing on both teams... Is, uh, is going to be really, really crucial. Alan, the final one on that. You've talked about the battle up front. You know, that's where it all starts, obviously, and probably ends. But the likes of Peno and Jolly Bear and Moa Fana, maybe, and Luku, there's yeah. four, you know, Bordeaux players. Yes, there's plenty of Lancers in the Ireland squad or Ireland team. But, like, does that give them a slight advantage or not? Um, no, it gives them cohesion, of course, because um, I think that's why um, Luku will start with Jolly Bear at, at, at nine. Um, that familiarity they play well together Legaric is a great player um, I, you know I've seen magical stuff out of him as Matt was saying as well uh, Dante Fiku you know um, a very strong centre partnership great physical presence about him great skill set as well and um, you know having having a number of players from particularly in the back line makes, makes a difference it gives them um, it gives them that cohesion, but you know, if if you're taking into Mac and Dupont out of the French team, um, it'll just be interesting to see what this French side are like without Dupont, because having watched him so much in the last number of years with Toulouse and and with France, he just he's a game changer, and it's not just with his breaks or his attack or his tries, but even defensively, the way he can time his runs out of the line and shut down the opposition from an opportunity that's presented himself presented themselves um he's kicking left and right you know the clearance kicks um so he's an amazing player and one of the most talented players i think we've ever seen in the game and he's consistently just doing crazy stuff on a rugby field um, you saw him in, probably in the Kingspan a few weeks ago. You know, Matt was talking about... The last about, four years, he's Yeah, and you know, there. Dan McFarlane was talking about having sleepless nights about Dupont, but he just comes back and does the same thing again, doesn't he? And he did it at the weekend against Racing. It's just continuous. There's, if it's not tries, he's creating tries for other people. But he's also shutting people down. You know, I remember a game down in Munster two years ago when they played uh, in Europe and... Very tight game. There was I don't know if there was maybe one try scored, but just I remember coming away thinking Dupont has won that game for Toulouse. Not with all his magical breaks, but his defensive work and the pressure on the opposition tens he can put on. 
turnovers, um, clearance kicks, all that kind of stuff. So be interesting to see what it's like. Luke, who's a very good player, and for any Irish people who haven't seen him, you know, that performance in Galway with Bordeaux in round one of Europe, um, he was superb. And he's been the understudy so uh, to DuPont and in, in the French squad for a number of years. So he probably kicks a little bit more, um, doesn't have the capability to breaking, but they've, they've a lot of X-Factor players, I think, and... It's like anything, when you go to France, whether you're playing with your club or your country, if they get their tails up and get motoring, you're chasing a game and it's hard. And that's what happened two years ago with Ireland. They got into, you know, scored early tries and Ireland had a great comeback. Uh, historically, we've seen that from the provinces as well. If you if you make a game of it, st start well, impose yourself. So I think for Ireland, they'll be very conscious of... of Dante, Fiku, um, you know, the quality, Ramos, all these players, what they do. They'll be very familiar with them. But there's one thing you can't do. It's just impossible to analyse DuPont, really, because he can do do it. So it'll make their job a little bit easier. But ultimately, you know, Matt, Matt said it, four of the best hookers in the world are probably on, on show. You know, um, Marchand is a wonderful player as well. And... Um, so they've, there's there's great players across the board. But for Ireland, I think, um, we don't know the teams yet. For me, that set piece is really crucial because I think we'll play and we'll have a confidence to have a go and play. And we've we've a lot of um, top quality players as well. But I just think scrum line out. Andrew Porter against Antonio and then our line out overall. Um, key for me. Well, you both teed it up expertly. It's going to be a cracker on front. Want flexibility? Take yoga. Want flexibility with your health insurance? Check out United Healthcare Insurance Plans. Underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, they offer flexible, budget-friendly medical, dental, and vision coverage that may be right for you. More at UH1.com. Botox Cosmetic, out of botulinum toxin A. FDA approved for over 20 years. So, talk to your specialist to see if Botox Cosmetic is right for you. For full prescribing information, including boxed warning, visit BotoxCosmetic.com or call 877-351-0300. Remember to ask for Botox Cosmetic by name. To see for yourself and learn more, visit BotoxCosmetic.com. That's BotoxCosmetic.com. Friday, Matt, we must move on. Another game, obviously, in the first round of the Six Nations in Cardiff, Scotland v Wales. New captains all over the show. David Jenkins, youngster, 21 for Wales. And then that sort of double captaincy in Scotland with Rory Darge and Finn Russell, your old pal Russell. Which way do you see that going? It's just an interesting um, combination, is it? Rory Darge, when he came on the scene, it was actually, uh, if I'm right, it was the game that where we were very, everyone was very critical of Finn Russell against France, where he kicked upfield chase and didn't sprint back and get into the defensive line. And uh, that man Dupont had run back and scored a try, but Daj had made the tackle, got up, run back and made another tackle. So people were directly comparing the effort of Russell in defence to, to Rory Dage. As soon as that guy came on, I said, this, this guy is, you know, he, he's your classic open side flanker. He's a workaholic. He, he, I don't think he's overly talented, and I don't mean that in a derogatory way. I just really admire the passion, the desire, the, the, the effort he puts into the games. Those sort of guys, and Quinny's played with them, they're trainaholics. They come to train. Quinny mentioned culture. Um, culture, you know, the, the best definition of culture is the way we do things around here. Families have cultures. Country have cultures. Businesses have cultures. Team have cultures. And look, the Wallabies, we can talk about them later on. Their culture is really in trouble. Now, if you've got someone like Rory Dyes that is a workaholic, I bet he's lifting in the gym like a lunatic. He's doing everything he can. He's the first in the ice bars. He's setting the standards. And that's exactly what um, Scotland needs. There's a couple of videos came out of the week of that Netflix program. Now, let me, I don't watch it, but I got, I, people keep sending me things. I keep saying, I don't watch this rubbish. They will just do it for the camera. But, but seeing Finn Russell at training with his hands in his pockets, doing his warm-up, I wanted to give him a good slap. What, would you, have, what would you have done, Matt? What would you have done if you had been standing there? Oh, <laughs> very good point. As a young coach, he would have got, he would have got the double-gauge shotgun right in the ear. 
But I, I just see him as, as just underplaying his talent. The guy's talent is extraordinary. He is a fantastic player. We saw in the third test against the Lions, uh, for the Lions against South Africa a couple of years ago, what the man is capable of. But you can't bring out all your talent if you don't train hard. No one wants to train hard. No one wants to go and do all the hard yards, the dirty stuff. But you just got to do it. Now, to, for him to bring that talent out, he needs to train it. He's not going to do it now. It's too old. He's too late in his, his career. You're not going to change it. But he's never. He's going to. He's the sort of guy who is, a, is going to be a legend in the game. But it, we will never know how good his talent could be because he didn't push himself hard enough. Where Rory Darge and these guys, we'll know exactly. They'll they'll get every drop of juice out of that lemon they've got of talent. They'll squeeze it till there's nothing left. And that's what Sexton did. That's what Owen Farrell did. That's what DuPont is doing. And that's what O'Driscoll did. That's what Paul O'Connell did. That, that they're the sort of guys that become great because they set the standards and drive themselves. And I think Rory Darge is put there with Finn Russell because Finn Russell, there's no doubting his genius of, of reading a game and playing, but setting standards is not going to be what he, what he uh, is, is going to be great at. And I think Darge is there to set the standards. I think it's a very interesting opportunity for, for Scotland uh, to get a very, very rare win at, uh, in Cardiff. Alan, do you agree there with Matt? You know, he rates Finn Russell, but he's saying he's still not going to ever reach his potential. But to not be a sort of team leader in a culture, he's been given the captaincy role by Gregor Townsend, so he must be doing something right. He, he must have changed his tune a little bit because we've seen a few spats with um, Gregor Townsend himself in the last few years and uh, a few disciplinary issues out when they shouldn't have been out. Stuart Hogg was involved in one as well. Um so look, it's. Uh, I think he's back in Bath now, and he's probably gets a bit home a bit more. And he's things... had great six months with Bath. Yeah, he's been really good for him, and um, I, I don't know because um, you know every every personality is different, and if you try and completely change um, change Finn Russell completely, maybe you'll lose a little bit of that kind of free spirit in him. Um, I do agree. Um, you know, being in the gym and being in fitness sessions and all that kind of stuff when you're doing the pre-seasons, it used to infuriate me and probably other players I played with if somebody wasn't pulling their weight. And I obviously often got clipped myself for, you know, I wouldn't say not trying hard, but, you know, being a little bit blasé or switched off or something. And you get to a point in your career that you realise that every 40-minute weight session or fitness session, that's money in the bank and that's getting you better prepared and stuff like that. So Finn Russell is just that laid back person and one part of me thinks it's amazing and it's lovely and it's a free spirit. Um, and another part would probably infuriate me if I was playing playing with him. Uh, by all accounts, he's very popular. Um, but he's been given that little bit of responsibility again now, hasn't he? And and that that may be a good thing. That may be a, um, a scenario that he's maybe learned from past mistakes. And you know, when Finn Russell, every time Scotland player Finn Russell is in a team, whether whether it's with Racing or Bath, you go, well, if he goes well, they have a great chance of winning because he can do brilliant stuff. And we saw that with the Lions a couple of years ago in South Africa. Um, so he has a special talent and um, yeah, you would love to kind of for him to become, but then it may not suit him and it may, it may change the way he plays, you know. We have um, we have someone similar in Ireland, don't we, in Simon Zebo, you know, that you'd kind of love to, to, to see that, but they're special talents and, you know, they, they, they've just got to, you know, try and maximise it. I think uh, Simon Zebo's near the end, he's reminded everyone recently and they played together in Racing. Finn Russell, yes, there's times where you think there's more in him. And um, But he's been given a responsibility now. Um, and I think Scotland will be dangerous. I think they'll... Wales are have a lot of kind of issues around players retiring and injuries and all that kind of stuff. So I think Scotland will, will go to Cardiff and get a result there on Saturday. Matt, do you agree? Quinny, Quinny, where where do you think... Sorry, go ahead. Can I just try with Quinny? I, I totally agree with what Quinny said. Can I, can I mention Gregor? I think this is really showing a maturity of Gregor as well. Obviously, Finn Russell and Gregor, you know, they, they've had a lot of public spats, a few beers here and there they shouldn't have, all this sort of stuff. And that is, that is Gregor Townsend repairing the relationship 
seeing the special qualities that Russell has, em empowering him to play, and Rory Dodge is there adding what Russell doesn't have. And I think that's really good coaching. A really, really good coaching from, from Gregor. And I, I, I'm, I'm, I, I agree totally with what he said. I, I do think Scotland can win on Saturday, uh, win at Cardiff, which I, I, and I think Russell will play superbly with that little bit of responsibility and belief his coach has given him. Well, the last one on Wales, you know, you've talked about the issues there, but they'll have a new 10 with probably Sam Costello because Dan Bigger's retired. Like, where are they at? It's hard, it so to know. hard to know. Yeah, it's hard to know. And the, and the squad Warren Gatlin picked, there's a number of players there who, new players, a lot of new players in the squad, some that haven't played a lot of um, even club rugby. They're young. Um, you know, I think it's uh, it's kind of a backs-to-the-wall stuff for Wales, isn't it? I think Daffod Jenkins being captain is a big call. Um, he's a very, very good player. You know, Jack Morgan, who would have um, played well well for them at the World Cup and shown that that kind of um, that quality and that special talent. Um, he was a brilliant player. He's missing now. And, you know, it's a complete change in the guard for Wales, isn't it? You know, there's no he Dan Bigger. He's a young captain. You know, Jenkins has he done does, it yeah, extra, but this does, is a big yeah, step up. Yeah, he does. And... Um, uh, Sam Warburton, you remember when he was captain and and um, in the early days, very young captain as well. So he did the same with Jack Morgan. Now he's doing it with Daffod Jenkins. But look, Wales are uh, in complete transition. Really, you just—it's hard to know where they are. A lot of um, a lot of power and quality kind of not available to them, and a lot of changes as well. So. Um, Costello made that kind of mistake, didn't he, at the World Cup um, against Argentina in that quarter, um, that quarter final? Um, very talented player, but um, like Ireland with Sexton, Bigger has been a real presence for them for a long period and has incredible drive and and that spark and that that nasty edge that you you want in 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 a fly half. Um, so he'll be a big loss to him, but who knows? Um, you know, Wales are uh, they're an exciting side and, and I think they'll, you know, we don't know a lot about them yet, but I think they're under pressure and this could be a tough Six Nations for them. Matt, next up, England, Italy and Rome. New man in charge, Argentilian Gonzalo Gascada broke Irish hearts in 99. He the man to maybe do what Kieran Crowley didn't quite do. Crowley did a fine job, but maybe get them to two wins, maybe not this year or next year, or is that just dreamland for them and not going to happen? Uh, it's interesting once to Italy, we, we thought Italy were on the, the, their performance curve was going up uh, and they had a very, very bad World Cup. Like everyone thought that the, the horrors of their defensive lapses um, that had been part of their culture for a number of years were over. Crowley seemed to have stopped that. They they beat Wales and they were moving forward. They weren't beating the other countries, but their scores were much closer and they were defending really well and obviously attacking really well. They got some talented players in their side. They had uh, Crowley put a good structure in their attack. And then at the World Cup, it just all fell apart before our eyes. You know, a couple of horrific smacks by New Zealand and France. Just just terrible. So we don't know. Casada's an interesting an interesting character. Um, uh, experienced coach without having had great success, but but um, certainly, you know, Stade Francais and around the traps through a lot of the top 14 clubs. Uh, obviously, a talented man, speaks a number of languages. Uh, that side of things and putting together an off-field team around that. Uh, and we know that appointment was much more political from the Italian president who just didn't get on with Crowley because Crowley didn't agree with what they are doing below the national team. So what we're going to see is anyone's guess. I think the plus for Italy is what can only be seen as a, a, a very weakened uh, English three-quarter line without so many quality players. Farrell going uh, is, is, you know, disaster for world rugby and heartbreaking for England considering that it's been, you know, what, what we can see it's been him and his family copying online abuse after the World Cup, which is just disgusting. It is disgusting. We need to call it out for the cowardice and awfulness that it is. 
Um, you know, whether George Ford's not, not there and it now sounds like Marcus Smith's not there. So, so uh, no Tulagi, you know, there's a whole lot of key players along that 9, 10, 12, 13 axis that aren't going to be there for England. And they, they're probably going to revert to play the 10-man the game they played a lot at the World Cup with a very big pack. Uh, Courtney Law's playing well, Mauro Tajé, uh saying he's going to stick with it, with the club and not, uh, with England and not go to France. There's pluses for them from one to nine or one to eight, but from nine to 13, there's some serious questions about what sort of team England can put out. So while you still think it'll be enough, uh, I, I can't see England being a threat this year or playing a style of rugby that will threaten um, Ireland or France right now. Well, if Marcus Smith doesn't make it, George Ford, big day if Finn Smith gets a nod. Yeah, and he may may pick Finn Smith. Um, George Ford is has um, you know a very astute player, wonderful career and uh, servant to English rugby as well. So, Finn Smith, uh, he's uh, he most recently on Munster's minds. Uh, his performance at Thomond Park was was superb. The drop goal, the penalties. His overall control, kicking game, very exciting player and um, a really good young player. So whether Steve Bortwick goes with him, it'd be a real indication about how they're going to play and, and approach the Six Nations because, you know, particularly throughout the World Cup, they won two games last year in the Six Nations. The last couple of Six Nations have been dreadful for them. They beat Wales and Italy. Um, poor way of playing the game. I think they're better quality players. So I think with a number of new players coming in to the squad, um, he's gone back for Henry Slade as well, and and uh, there's a, f- a few younger players come in. Um, Tom Pearson's uh, the back row for Northampton, a really good player as well. So Finn Smith may start. Um, I suspect he'll go with George Ford. To be fair to George Ford, he's a very good kicker, but he's a good running fly half as well. Um, and that'll be the interesting thing. You know, Italy historically uh, are hard to kind of crack in the first game. France struggled there last year. They only won 29-24 in that first game. So could be a tricky one for England. Some people saying that England may be contenders in this championship. They may well be if they get a result in Italy. They then have Wales at home. So I think they're going to get two wins from the first two. Um, and then they go to Murrayfield, which they probably owe the Scots a few. Uh, I think they've lost the last three against Scotland. Um, not great definitely I did the one last year they lost it um, uh, they lost in Twickenham and the one two years ago they lost in, in Murrayfield as well so and probably the previous one as well in Twickenham so I think it's three in a row um, so yeah they'll. It, that's going to be a tough one to crack but again before you go into round one with any of these teams there's a potential rust scenario mm-hmm. because very short preparation time. Um, England are in Girona for a camp. Ireland are in Portugal. France are uh, in their own camp. I'm not sure where that it could be in headquarters in France and Paris. Uh, everyone is trying to cram in a lot of detail and a lot of work in the last week and a half um, after they finished up in Europe. The French would be in a different scenario, I think, for, you know, in recent years, they've been released the week before Six Nations camps, uh, Six Nations fixtures. So you just don't know how they're going to hit the ground running. And it's a bit of an unknown. I think the ones that stand out are Ireland and France, probably the best teams. England have the potential if they play and if they take the shackles off a bit. So for me, if we see England going to Rome and box kicking and you know kicking the letter off the ball again, it'll be really disappointing. I think they've got to be brave and try and play. It takes time to to change the way you play, but um, it could be bad news for other teams if England start executing because um, they've a lot of good young players and the quality, even at the World Cup. And some might say, well, who cares? They got to semi-final. They were a whisk away from the final. And um, Ireland didn't get to beyond the quarter-final. But I think they're better than that, and I think they should be better than that, and they and and that should evolve around their attack. Um, so we'll see we'll see how they how how that goes. I think they've they've um, they've got to play a little bit differently and be more brave in the way they attack. Yeah, we'll see how they attack at the weekend. Matt, changing topics just before we go and get your favourite time of predictions. Joe Schmidt taking the helms in Australia. You were there when it happened. How's it all gone down? 
Uh, I, I think it's personally it's a very good appointment. Uh, I, I think Joe is exactly what they need as long as uh, Joe doesn't go back to the style of play that he had in 2019. Now, I don't think he will. I think his time in New Zealand, he would have learned a lot, uh, a massive amount from the positive way they play. And I think that would have been spoken about before he got the job. While I personally think it's a really good appointment, it wasn't greeted uh, unanimously with, with open arms. It was uh, usually, and it was said to me another times, another bloody New Zealander. The, the, the problem Joe faces with the rugby public in Australia is there's been a litany of bad decisions made by former rugby, uh, New Zealand coaches and administrators. We've had a number of CEOs at Australia and provincial level from New Zealand who tried to turn Australian rugby into the third island of New Zealand. And the, the Australian rugby public doesn't like it yeah, because not, not, not on a, any sort of um, uh, bigotry level, it has not been successful. And as a result, Australian rugby's lost its voice. It's not playing a traditional way of playing. They, they've lost the idea of the game line theory that, that Ireland play and France play and New Zealand play. They've, and they invented it. They've lost that. So Joe's got a hard hard road in front of him. Uh, financially, they're shot ducks. The relationships between Rugby Australia and a lot of the uh, super franchises is broken. It's not strained. It's broken. Um, so it's, it's a very, very tough position that Joe's in. Uh, he, he hasn't got a lot of goodwill from lots of parts of, of the Australian rugby media, not all, but some parts and the public are, have to be won over. So it's, uh, it's without doubt the greatest challenge of Joe's career. And also because the structures below the national team in Australia are so poor uh, compared to Ireland where they're so strong, the provinces and the schools, and the academies, we know, you know, came out during the week that the Melbourne Rebels are financially uh, broken and they look to look to be folding. Rugby Australia has guaranteed them in the competition for this super rugby season, which starts literally in a few days. But after that, they appear to be uh, gone. Uh, again, that was a decision that should have been made a number of years ago. Instead, they sacked, they, they wiped out the Western Force wrongly and kept Melbourne in when Melbourne financially weren't strong. So it's just a litany of poor decisions that have got Australian rugby here, and they're all falling at the feet of Joe, Dan Herbert, the CEO, who's a great bloke, Phil War, uh, sorry, the chairman, and Phil War, the CEO, both of them really good men, rugby men to their boots, understand the game played at every level. But it is hugely, hugely problematic for Joe and Australia. Well, man, with Joe, as you say, let's hope he can turn something round in the 18 months in that Lions tour and test. Predictions, Al? Your favourite? Oh, what are predictions, we yeah. The game on Friday and then we the did, we did, Saturday? We did, we didn't talk about the rest of the Irish team, um, but anyway, we'll know the, know the team pretty soon. Uh, I think Matt is going for Jordan Larmer on the right wing and I'm going for Calvin Nash on the right wing. Everything else picks itself. Fair enough, Matt. Yeah. I Look at Larmer. Yeah. He has that stardust, that magic, and I'm a big fan of his. I think only the reason Lots I'd be... for Nash, though, sorry. Yeah, I think for Nash, uh, I think he's improved dramatically. He had a great season with Munster last year. I... His work rate is through the roof. He's he, The reason he edges it a tiny bit here is... Under the high ball, um, I think he's... And he showed recently in, in that Toulon game, I think Jaminet was poor, but he's such a determined player and I think he's improved a lot. It's great to see Larmer back in the mix again because I think he's special. So either one starts, I don't have a problem with it, but I think Lar um, Nash probably edges it a little bit for me because he was ahead of Larmer at the World Cup. Who knows? That could be... Either, either of them picked, uh, and that's the other kind of decision... Um, prediction times um, I think Ireland could do well um, I'm going for three three away wins um, in the opening weekend so Ireland England Scotland um, possibly be, there, possibly be wrong with the Ireland one because look it's a very tall order that's yeah. the reality but I just there's something I have this bit of a feeling that they they might find a little bit of magic on Friday night in in, um, in Marseille it should be a special one three away wins so for me Matt, are you agreeing? Or are you chucking in a home win somewhere? Well, it's uh, you know I can't disagree with any any of Quinny's uh, rationale there. I, I don't know Edgy Palama. 
I, I, I really respect Nasty. He's playing really well. Everything Quinny said, I, I agree with. I'd only put Lama in there for his experience because the Velodrome is such a hard place to go to. Um, and I do think with, uh, uh, to, to back Quinny's argument, Lacou will be doing a lot more box kicking. France, though, I think will kick the touch a lot more. They learned, they tried to out Island Island at the Aviva last year and lost. I think they'll go for the touch. They'll, they'll really target Ireland set plays, and I think there'll be a lot more box kicking from France. They'll try and do it. So that might, that might add to Quinny's argument for Nash. Wow. Uh, I, 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 let's, let's go with the easy ones. England, yes, in Rome. Scotland, yes, for a rare one in Cardiff. Velodrome, on a knife edge, on a knife edge. My heart is saying Ireland. My head is saying France. But not by much. This, this is just going to go either way because there's, of, the, of the changes to the out halves and the, uh, for Ireland and the halves for France. There is so much we don't know. Let, Ireland can definitely win this. Let's hope, definitely win this. Let's hope Fabian Galtier doesn't go for a 7-1 split tomorrow. We'll be back doing the podcast again on Thursday. <laughs> Seven and a half, half, Matt, no? <laughs> Well, mate, I think you'll do six two. Yeah, could and, be. And uh, World Rugby have, have had months and months to step in, and again, tells you about the incompetence of our leadership to not well, put safety laws at all levels of the game above coaching tactics. But we can always have that conversation again. I'm happy to re relitigate my argument. You, we'll stop you there, Matt. We'll stop you there, Matt. Um, thank you very much. Cheers. What a start it's going to be. Friday night in Marseille. Don't forget to tune in live in Virgin Media One from seven o'clock. Thank you. Botox Cosmetic, out of botulinum toxin A, FDA approved for over 20 years. So, talk to your specialist to see if Botox Cosmetic is right for you. For full prescribing information, including boxed warning, visit BotoxCosmetic.com or call 877-351-0300. Remember to ask for Botox Cosmetic by name. To see for yourself and learn more, visit BotoxCosmetic.com. That's BotoxCosmetic.com.